bonus content. What is going on, everybody? Adam here with Cover Band Confidential. I am here to drop a little bonus episode of the podcast for you this week. Compliments of our friend Ben Ivey. For those of you who have kept up with the show, we did an episode a few weeks back about sound checks and seeing that Ben was the front of house guy for members only for a number of years and now does that full time. He felt compelled to share his thoughts as well. Uh, this particular episode was released a week ago as a Patreon exclusive, but we wanted to share it with the rest of our audience because it was such good info. Uh, we are still posting exclusive content for patrons over at Patreon and have some cool stuff on deck for them. And anyone who contributes to the $10 tier or higher gets those first. But for now, let's let Ben tell you how a sound check should go from the sound guy's perspective. Hey, everybody. My name is Ben Ivey. I'm a friend of the podcast, and I'm sure you guys have heard my name throughout the podcast over the years. I was the front of house engineer and band manager uh, for members only for a very long time. And when I heard Adam talking about how he was going to do an episode about soundcheck, I was really excited. And part of that was because I have a lot of thoughts, which I'm sure you can imagine that, me being a front house engineer. So I kind of want to just give my thoughts because I'm really passionate about this, and I think it's super, super important. So the first thing the guys talked about from the question uh, from the group was about this, this idea when you come into a bar that's already opened, and you have to play kind of how do you handle it and what's the what's the thing. So if I'm the engineer and I'm walking in with a band that I know or that I've seen before or whatever, you always have communication with the venue contact first. If there's a house system already there, do I bring my own? Do the band does the brand bring their own? Whatever it is, and you're making sure all of those things are checked before you walk in. You're going to notice in my answer, actually, a lot of this is before I step in the door. So I'm immediately talking to the venue person, making sure they have what we need. Um, maybe we're bringing a multitude of things, or maybe we're sharing stuff, or they're providing the racks and the stacks, whatever it is. All that stuff's super, super important, and knowing exactly where you're going to start. Because what you'll realize, and I'm sure you already have, is there's going to be times where people will have these amazing PA setups, and then sometimes they have nothing and it's a piece of crap. And so you either have to supplement that or work with what they already have. And so you need to know what that is. So you can really give your best yes to the event to start with. Um, I, I think it really stinks when bands take gigs that they're not ready for or um, provide production that they're not ready for. Or maybe it's just they just didn't do their homework before they walked in. So if I'm working with a band that's in a bar specifically, one of the first things I do is I get their input list. And I'm doing this all before. If I've never met them before, I'm calling them ahead of time. I'm doing that. If it's just your band and you're the bass player and you come out and do the mix for a little bit, that kind of stuff, and don't have a sound engineer, write down your input list still. Even if it's the same guys every week and you know what's up, having that thing on paper with your stage plot when you actually go into a venue that has an engineer or you hire one yourself, it gives that engineer all that data that you need to be successful. So again, that's all the prep before you walk in the door. The other thing is, is that you agree on how long you actually need to do the work. This is a bit of a misnomer. Hot take alert. Sound checks are not rehearsal time. I'm gonna say it again. Sound checks are not rehearsal time. The whole idea of a sound check is to get your levels, like Adam mentioned about gain staging and 
Dan mentioned about EQing the room and all that kind of stuff. That's what that's for. It's for making sure all the lines are talking to each other. Your gain staging is correct. The wedges or in-ears are right and balanced. And focusing on those things before you hit that downbeat. So how do you do that? What's the best way to do that? Well, here's a couple of things. Depending the mixer that you have, if you have a digital mixer, for example, most digital mixers nowadays have an offline editor um, where you can download, like, for example, Behringer and Midas, um, Allen and Heath, um, any Yamaha desk of any kind, stuff like that. They have offline editors where you can actually build a scene from scratch from your computer um, and do all of that. You can save it to a USB drive, load it into the desk or to the rack or whatever you have, and you can actually build everything before you walk in. And I do that on a nightly basis, um, mainly because I'm dealing with different people all the time. But even that, sometimes when you walk into a room, you have one room that sounds a certain way. Maybe it's really small, maybe it has glass everywhere, maybe it's just different and you need a different scene for that. Or you need a scene for a really big stage or a festival gig or something like that. So scene building, is, an, is the second thing I'm focusing on. Obviously, when I said the first one is communication with, with the venue, the times, how you work all that out. And the second thing I'm making sure is that I have a scene either already built in the desk or if I can't get to them, I'm working on an offline editor source to do that data. Because we all know when we get there, if it's your first time there or maybe you don't even have an engineer, um, it's a lot of work. It takes time. You might not know where the loading dock is. You might need to push something up a hill, or maybe you did that beforehand. Again, I would suggest that, but sometimes it doesn't happen that way, and you gotta kinda just make lemonade where you're at. All of those things give the engineer that data or maybe yourself that data to be prepared when you walk in, so everything is faster. So, in members only, a lot of times we would show up way earlier than needed. That was just kind of our thing. And I know that's a misnomer because most musicians are not that way. But showing up early is huge. If you know that your guys are chatters or it's going to be a lot or maybe a little bit slower or whatever it is, and no harm, no foul, give yourself time. Because then you can take those times if you think you need that. With that said, what happens when you actually start? I would do exactly like Adam does. <laughs> because I've done this with them for forever. Um, always start with the drums. Uh, the drums are usually the biggest culprit for uh, sound issues, specifically the snare and the cymbals. The cymbals will obviously be that kind of high-end kind of sounds that anywhere from you know 1K to 10K kind of stuff. And the uh, snare is that 200 hertz, hitting it real hard. That's a thing that happens in rooms all the time. Any glass reflections, or just anything of wood or stuff like that, like just depending on how the room is and the acoustics in it, or lack thereof, you're gonna need to EQ that out. <laughs> you're gonna need to find where that fits because the whole idea of this is that you're building your sound check like a cake. You wanna build it like a layered cake. You go in and you go, okay, first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do it my foundation, which is my uh, scene building which is making sure that I have all my inputs, I have all my outputs, 
with my wedges or in-ears or whatever it is. I'm talking to my PA, my subs. Um, if it's a bigger show, you have front fills, out fills, all that kind of stuff. And you're prepared before you walk in. And then that second layer would be your gain staging. Now, Adam explained this great, and I think this is a really, really good take. But I would also add to that that if you don't get the gains right, nothing is going to be right. That is really, really important. The main reason that is important is because your gain level for your kick drum is what that musician is going to hear in their monitor and in their in-ear. So if you don't get that up enough to where they can hear it right before that feedback threshold, they're not going to have it enough in their mix. Now, the reason they're not going to have it enough in their mix is because when you do wedges or in-ears, it's set to pre-fader mode. So whatever they hear in their mix is not affected. However, the gain for that is absolutely affected. So that is why gain staging is so important to get right. And I know this is annoying, but you kind of had to make some yips. <laughs> That's what I call them. Little squeals and stuff like that to make sure that they're right. So usually a great starting point is to put everything at 12 o'clock especially for drums, because you never know exactly how loud the player is going to be or whatever, but you're literally moving the dial or pushing the fader on the iPad or whatever it is to set those levels. And you need the drummer to play. Um, you need the drummer to play at show volume when you're doing that sound check. Now, I know sometimes it doesn't work because maybe the venue doesn't let you do that or maybe you can't do that together, but if you can and you can communicate those things that you really want to be able to do that to give your best performance, let him go ham or her go ham. You need them to do that. The reason you do that is because you will be able to get it at the loudest volume so you know where it's going to sit. And then you can build, again, the layer cake, everything after that. So I put my drums and my bass in those categories. So I'm going through each drum uh, maybe it's a drum pad. I'm going through that too, um, whatever that is. And then I'm going to bass. And then the next thing I'm going to do, which is sometimes a little different, I'm going to make them play together, especially if I haven't heard them before, because I want to get the band low end done first. And I know that sounds kind of odd, but the low end of the mix is super, super important because that gives you all your drive. That gives you all your punch. That gives you really the passion and kind of the beat, obviously, behind the song. So if you get the low end right, a lot of this is easier. So I'm going to make them play together. Maybe, like Adam mentioned and Dan mentioned, maybe they have their song that they do, and that's that's the way they play. Or maybe they have a song that has a lot of drum parts in it, or maybe a solo, or maybe it's a heavy bass line, like Under Pressure, or something like that that's really catchy and maybe whatever to your band plays. And I'm going to let them do that for like two minutes because I'm going to go, okay, all right, this room has glass everywhere. All right, how do I get the drums in the mix? Do I need a kick drum mic? Of course I do. Do I need a snare mic, an overhead, and ride? No, I, I just need kick and snare. Or maybe I need all of them because the room's bigger. Whatever it is, you'll be able to make those determinations because you're doing all of these things. It's a step-by-step -step process. So after I do that, I'm doing all the guitars. So if it's an acoustic guitar... I'm doing that, and some people do this differently, but acoustic guitars is super, super important, especially if you're in a bar band when the leader is up front and they're leading from acoustic. Nothing is more annoying 
when you're watching a show and the lead player, even if they're just playing rhythm and they're not like a lead guitar player, but that rhythm player, <laughs> you can't hear them. It's so annoying. So make sure that they're up front. Make sure you can hear them. Of course, it can be mixed correctly and balanced, uh, of course, after that. But you really, really, really need to make sure that you can actually hear the person who's leading the gang. And then after that, I do guitars, electric guitars. This is a huge thing because nowadays, a lot of people are doing the amp modeling stuff and Kempers and Helixes and all that kind of stuff. And you need to get them loud enough so they can hear them because obviously they don't have an amp. So they really got to make sure that their gain staging is completely correct. Because if not, it's going to be really hard for them to play. And that's my second misnomer about these sound checks. It's so important. If you don't take the time to get your wedges and your in-ears right, you're going to have a bad show. And I know that sounds a little backwards coming from a front of house engineer, but I spend so much time getting that right for bands because it's going to directly affect their performance. If you can't hear yourself, which I'm sure happens all the time to different people for a variety of different reasons, it makes it so hard to do your job. Because I get it. I've been a front man before, a bad one at that. <laughs> but I've been one before. And it's so important to be able to hear yourself, um, to be able to feel the kick drum, to be able to hear the bass as a bassist. All those different things is super, super important. So you got to take the time to get those wedges or in-ears right. Especially for wedges, if they're maybe the guy's deaf <laughs> or they're too loud and you need to be able to put the volume on that thing to be just right or get enough volume to them, whatever it is, you got to take the time to dial that in because it directly affects your performance, especially if you want to get booked back. Take the time. Take, 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 take the time. So after I'm doing that, I'm obviously building the mix as I'm going, making sure the levels are right and all that, and I'm getting to then vocals or maybe before that would be keys, making sure the keys are right or tracks testing those levels, making sure they're really present. I'll always ask to the um, the band, or maybe you already know, how important is the track in the mix? Is it like another band member? Is it super apparent at different times? You know, again, all of this centers around communication, making sure you're getting this right and balanced. And then I would move into the vocals. Obviously, as you can tell, I'm in big into metaphors, and so this cake idea the top, the thing that sits right on the top is that vocal. If you can't hear the vocal, you're doing it wrong. You really, really, really need to hear that vocal because um, that's the first thing somebody's going to say when they get up there and they can't do it. And guess what? If the gain staging isn't right, it doesn't matter. If your drummer is playing in a, in a room where it's terrible, and we all know it's terrible, but he's still playing like he's Dave Grohl in Wembley Stadium, you got to tell him to stop and say, hey, I get that you want to play loud, or I get that you always play loud, but I really need you to be a team player here and play to the room. Can you help me with that? Now, don't say it in a jerk way, but you got to figure out what works for your people, but you got to make sure that they're playing to the room, because if you don't and they can't hear the vocal, you're done, and it's going to be really, 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 really hard to get that right. So once you have that balanced, and maybe you don't have an engineer, don't uh, be afraid to leave it where it is. Because if 
it's really hard to do your job when you're the bassist and doing the mix. Like, I'm just telling you, it's not going to be awesome. Um, it's definitely not optimal. But I understand budget, maybe personnel, all that. There's some reasons. But don't be don't be afraid to keep it where it is. If everything sounds good to you, there's no really big imbalances or um, frequency spikes or stuff like that. Don't be, don't be afraid to leave it where it is. Or at times, if you're not playing, take those breaks to do that. Or what I'm really kind of getting this boiled down to is hire an engineer. There are so many engineers over this past uh, pandemic, actually still in the pandemic, that need work and are willing to do it for basically for whatever. Treat them like another person in your group. They are so important to what y'all do. I've always heard it said that the uh, holy trinity of band members is the lead person, singer or guitar player, the drummer, <laughs> and the sound engineer. And of course I say that because I'm a sound engineer, but realistically it's very true. If you don't have the bottom end and the punch, no one's gonna dance. If you don't have the great lead vocal, no one's gonna know where to go in the melody. And then if you don't have the sound professional, no one can hear them. Um, or they can't hear anything else, or it's too loud, or whatever it is. Um, so hire a great engineer. Maybe you can go to a school, get an intern, anything like that, to get that off your plate. Do it, do it, do it. Or maybe you just play in bars, and there's always a guy provided. And maybe he's not so great. Well, you can always hire someone to come in and do it. That's actually how I got a lot of work with members only when I first started working with them is because the sound would be all over the place. They had a bigger mixer then, they had digital mixer, they had in-ears and they needed someone to take that helm because you want that person to be able to own that area and be able to partner with the band, just like I said, a band member and be able to do it together as a team. I cannot stress that enough. You gotta do that for the betterment of your band. So I know that's a lot in a sound check idea, but I really wanted to get that point home about those couple things. So we'll kind of recap real quick. The first thing you need to do when you get there is to do all this work beforehand. Talk with the venue person, maybe the production guy or gal that's there. Building your scene at home or in your rehearsal space, whatever that is, so you can walk in there with a lot of the work already kind of done. Then you start your sound check. You're getting your gain staging. You're starting with those drums, letting them play together with the bassist, getting that low end just right, and then building that mix like that layered cake. Because once you do those things, it's going to be so much easier for you to do your job, whether that's in a really cruddy bar or a uh, badass stadium. Those principles and those things can get you to those places if you just put in the work. Well, thanks guys. I'm super, super excited to be able to do this. Hopefully you learned something today. Maybe you agree, disagree. If you do and you like what you heard, hit me up on Instagram. My Instagram handle has been Ivy Music. I love to help people in bands with sound and engineering and consulting stuff. So if you don't have this or maybe disagree, hit me up. Or maybe you said, yeah, this is great. Hit me up. I love to be able to talk with you. Maybe you need something, maybe you need some help, maybe you need some personnel, and I can maybe recommend somebody or help you get somebody there. Anything I can do to help the cover band world get better, I would be glad to do so. So I'm gonna call it for this week. Oh wait, nobody's here, it's just me. I'm gonna call it for this week. Um, my name is Ben Ivy. 
Peace.